Why do I have a podcast? For the cloud. Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I feel like crap and I'm ready to talk about some magic cards. Awesome. Good to hear. <laughs> I mean to be like, that's true every week. <laughs> I'm pretty under the weather. Oh no. I was woke up this morning feeling absolutely awful. Like I've got I mean more coughing than usual, which is impressive for me. I've got what feels like a sore throat, I've got a headache, I've got the sniffles, feeling generally run down. Perfect. Perfect situation to be recording a podcast with. Yeah, sounds like you're not having a good time. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> oh, and also there's loads of fireworks. Fire- fireworks? Jesus. There's a lot of <laughs> fireworks going off all over the place. And I'm going to try and edit them out, but if they happen while I'm talking, I won't be able to edit them out. So I apologise for that in advance. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not even the 5th of November. I think that that's, nope. that's something that, that greatly annoys me. I think, like, if you're going to do fireworks, like, at least do them on the 5th of November. It's currently the 4th of November. Yeah. And, I mean, to be fair, fireworks have been going off for the last week. Um, yeah. Just everywhere. And if you've let out fireworks in your garden, you're an asshole and I hate you. Please don't do that. It's yeah. it's, it's obnoxious. Strong agree. It's it's not great for the pets. It really isn't. That's the main thing. But, like, it's very obnoxious. Um, generally, like, you know, setting fire to things and having them explode into the air isn't great for anyone. It leaves a lot of litter everywhere. It's really bad for the environment. The noises just generally are quite, you know, annoying and intrusive. And obviously it uh, can really, really mess up people's pets. Yeah. Also, you can look at the pretty sparkle lights. So please, please stop. Please stop. That's my rant for this week. Sweet. God damn it. I hate you if you set up fireworks in your own garden. I don't like fireworks. I, I, I quite like them because it's just, yeah, just shiny lights in the sky, isn't it? Yeah, but it's really bad for everyone. It's litter. It's We're pollution. Up if it's like... If you're, you're littering everywhere, you're polluting everything, and then adjacent to that, there's big fire. Yeah. Where instead of throwing stuff away, you just leave them in a pile for a year and then set them alight. <laughs> it's a very strange tradition we have in this country. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> how's your week of magic been? Uh, yeah, fine. I haven't really played that much. Still been playing some Pioneer. That's been good fun. Nice. But uh, as people get more and more into the format, the decks are becoming more and more expensive. So yeah. I can't rent them with my uh, Mana Traders limit, oh. which is frustrating. Played some modern, went three one with infect. That was fun. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, played Oko on my sideboard. Oh, you've said it. You said the word. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it was good. I'm just saying innovations I made to my infect deck. A couple of minutes in, and we've already failed. You don't talk about Oko. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about Oko. I'm just saying I put a good card <laughs> in my sideboard, and it won me some games. Like, <laughs> just okay. I played card X, and it was good. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to say anything more about it. Yeah, I just I pulled um, Aaron Barrich's list from the most recent SCG that she played up. Yeah. Because she did a deck tech for it, and registering Infect without any copies of Mutagenic Growth was a scary prospect. Yeah, I can imagine. But I trust her opinion far more than my own, so. <laughs> I mean, it went well. I went 3-1 and lost to 8, eight, eight whack. I just got to somebody, because they can just, like, deal you, like, 14 on turn 3. Yeah. And then it just means that every card they draw from there on out is either a land or an absolute heater, so... Yeah, it's very difficult to win those games. Played some Legacy, um, that was fine because I'm not allowed to talk about why it was bad, <laughs> and <laughs> that's been fine. Fine, you can talk about the elk in the room. Yeah, we have to. I, I played some games of Legacy against someone that played Oko, and every time they resolved an Oko, I couldn't win the game. Yeah, I, I, granted, I'm playing like a kind of bad mid range creature deck, 
but like I can beat most things, and I think it's quite well positioned against Delver, and not quite well positioned, but like it's fine against Delver, and it's okay against Ant if you have the right draws and you know how to mulligan properly. Yeah. But then they just play an Oko, and you, you, you lose. <laughs> because there's literally nothing you can do, it just doesn't matter. Because, like, historically, like the Relicrae are very good against Delver strategies, especially Team Delver, because they literally can't beat it. Yeah. If not the Relicrae is more than a 4-4, they can't remove it. So you race against their things, but then if they draw an Oko, it just doesn't matter. Yep. So that was fun. It's the story of pretty much every format at the moment. It's the story of every format ever, yeah. Apart from yeah, Commander, probably. going to try not to talk about him too much, because he's, he, he's spoiling and he's just, he's just spoiling everything. I mean, he spoiled this podcast. He did, he did. He spoiled everything else, and I spoiled the podcast, because we have to keep talking about it. But I mean, to be fair, like, it was just, you asked me how my week of magic was, and I told you, and it happened to contain Oko, and it's not like, we're not planning a whole show around him again. So, yeah, take that, <laughs> I guess. That is true. I do have one cool Oko interaction that I did see this weekend, though. Like, so hang on, you said we shouldn't we should go the entire podcast without talking about Oko, and then you have your own Oko story lined up. <laughs> How does that <laughs> well, work? I did. I, I, I didn't. I wasn't going to talk about it, but you know now now we, we we've broken broken the the Oko embargo. <laughs> now that I've ruined the podcast, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll put it that way, I guess. Uh, yeah, the Eternal Weekend uh, was this weekend for North America. Uh, the Vintage Championships saw a game in the top eight where uh, Oko used his ability to turn a, an Alpha Black Lotus into an Elk <laughs> and it swung for lethal in one game. Now, if that isn't just the perfect analogy for magic, a bit ham-fisted, but if it isn't it, just the perfect yeah, analogy for magic absolutely. currently, cool. Everything is an Elk, nothing will be the same again. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> How has your week been? My week's been fine. Um, I haven't played a lot, but I have been playing Arena. Um, I, I don't know why. I really don't know why. I mean, again, you're planning to talk about Arena, and you're planning not to talk about Oko. Yeah, because I am not playing that card. I've played against that card pretty much every game I play, but I'm not playing that card myself. See, and you get to talk about the deck you chose and how good that deck is and how you think it has game against Oko. You can't talk about anything without having to talk about that card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had such high hopes. Oh, I tried, I tried. But, you didn't try that yeah. hard. Like, two of That's the things you were planning to talk about, you had to talk about the FIFA grounds, so... Yeah, so i be playing Arena. Uh, I am still playing uh, Esper Dance of the Months. Excellent. Uh, it has, it's gotten a lot better since the Field of the Dead ban. I don't think it's the right deck to play in any sort of, you know, PTQ or the Pro Tour or whatever the equivalents are these days. But I, I think it has, it has some game on Arena. I think definitely. Um, yeah, I've been impressed with it. I'm, I'm currently ranked higher now, four days into this this new season, than I ever was in the, the previous season at all. So that's going to stand for something, right? Yeah, that's excellent. Well done. Now, why wouldn't you play it in an actual tournament? Uh, because it's just not as good as the uh, the elk the elk boy, is it? Are you trying to get around it by not saying his name now? Yeah, because that just, doesn't count. It's just, it's just not as good as the Oko decks. The, yep. Oko is Oko is Broco. There we go. Oh God! Didn't we call an episode that? We did, I think. Oh no, Oko Loco. We called our episode. That's different. It's different. It's it a different rhyming word. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Different word, same problem. See, we're good podcasters. We're good. This is how you do a podcast. 
<laughs> debatable for this week. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I guess one of the reasons why uh, things are a little loose this week is that we are currently waiting the uh, announcement for the banned and restricted announcement for Pioneer. Yeah, we were we wanted to give the fresh takes again. One of the benefits of recording this podcast on a Monday, we get to have the the information normally as soon as it as soon as it drops and. Uh, this announcement is taking a while <laughs> and we don't really know exactly what's going to happen but as soon as it does we're going to talk about it is this episode going to be like three hours long because we're just vamping until we get to the announcement is that what's going to happen who knows who knows <laughs> so yeah we are currently waiting for that announcement but as soon as we get it uh, we're gonna we're gonna react so i guess the closest thing we can do to a live reaction as a podcast oh yeah and then i'm gonna edit the crap out of it so we sound really smart yeah. <laughs> or edit the crap out of it so we don't sound as stupid as we do in the raw recording. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Sounds great to me, actually. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, we do have a whole load of other things we can talk about in the meantime while we wait for this announcement to drop. Yeah, hopefully we can stretch that out to roughly, I don't know, I'm going to call 40 minutes from here. We'll see. Cool. We'll see. So, what do you want to talk about before we uh, while we wait for the pioneer band announcement well we must be in bizarro world because i want to talk about commander cool yeah why why do you want to talk about commander that's literally always the last thing you want to talk about uh we got a whole major announcement last week uh so last wednesday we got in a nice special video from the command zone uh, featuring gavin verhey from wizards of the coast to talk all about just a whole slew of new commander products. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There is, there's loads. It looks like like 2020 is going to be the year of commander. Excellent, because every year previous to this, since 2011, hasn't been the year of commander. <laughs> not like this, not like this. I guess, I guess this is the year of commander in terms of product, not just in terms of people playing it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it... it so... <laughs> I guess briefly they are they're ramping up everything as as far as commander goes. There's going to be more command fests and there's going to be a whole load of new products. So with every new set that comes out, we're going to get commander decks. So it's not just going to be five commander decks or four commander decks once a year. Uh, there is also uh, the commander collection, which is kind of like a from the vaults slash signature spell book for commander. And then there's also the very exciting Commander Legends, which is actual Commander Masters. None of this modern horizons here. So this is a lot to be taking in, in one go. It is. And this is the first time I think they've announced this much Commander product this far ahead of time. Because this is just sort of like... I think this is the first time they've announced like any product this far ahead of time. Like Given that it's still over a year until Commander Legends comes out. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, that seems kind of weird to me. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I, any one of those announcements is enough to get people hyped, surely. You'd think so, yeah. Like, there's, like, if you just announce the fact that you know you'll be getting the five commander decks with Ikoria, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Or the commander, what's the color thing? The green thing called commander collection. Commander collection green. Yeah. If you just announce that, it'd be like, oh, that's cool. Or if they announced, you know, that we're getting decks adjacent to standard sets, that would be cool. Or if they announced that Commander Legends was a thing, that would be cool. <laughs> it's just like they've given it all in one <laughs> go and spoiled some art and given us some, like, small hints about the kind of stuff that's going to be in there. 
Uh, I'm assuming people that are interested in Commander have watched the video from the Command Zone at this point. I would assume so, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot to get... I don't know. Is excited the right word? So it's a, it's an odd one, um, given my, my well-documented stance on Commander. Uh, I I am very excited by these products. They're, they're absolutely not for me, but it's... The way I see it is that it is, it's just so much more space for reprints. I think like like now more than ever, it's it's quite clear that reprints are just they're needed. Like the the, the price of like modern decks and legacy decks and hell even standard decks at this point is is ridiculous, and we don't really have that many. Well, I mean, technically there are quite a few places where they could be reprinting cards but they aren't uh but i feel like just the the amount of new slots we're going to have for wizards to be able to print to reprint cards i, I think just grows exponentially we get at least two commander decks of every set we've got a new master style set for commander and we've got this new collection that's that's so many so many just more chances to reprint cards that just desperately need a reprint and I mean, it's kind of difficult, I guess, to, in Commander-specific products, print stuff that's actually useful in modern or legacy or vintage or anything like that, or even Pioneer. Yeah. Because, like, the cards you want to be, print, be reprinting there are, like, Jace Prince Prodigy, which is kind of, like, medium in Commander, or, like, Liliana Lasto, which is medium Commander, or Thoughtseize, which I imagine is impossible to print in any of these products. Uh, but it's an opportunity. And I mean, to be fair, you're saying that the price of decks is getting too much, but, like, the, I mean, the price of Commander decks is getting kind of silly. Between, like... If you want to build like a, a deck, I guess properly, because I mean, there's there's a whole debate about building things like optimally or building it for fun or for casual play and stuff. But it's like if you need to pick up like a soul ring and some signets and some talismans and some ramp spells and some draw spells and requisite lands for your deck so it doesn't suck, so you're not playing all tap lands, and then you've got to play like certain staples. Then building a commander deck on a budget becomes harder and harder. Yeah, and then building a commander deck on a budget that also. Um, keeps up with the rest of a part that you're playing and becomes harder and harder. So, like, it's a good place to print stuff like, I hope, Oracle of Moldire. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Crazily expensive card. Silver Library, something like that. Create a Hoof Behemoth. Create a Hoof Behemoth, that's getting I mean, this is, this is just green cards for listing at this point. It's because green's the best color in Commander. <laughs> yeah. And it's... Uh, and, I mean, also they have this creature collection green coming out, which I assume at least a couple of those will get in there. I would hope. You'd hope so, yeah. But yeah, this is an excellent place to reprint that stuff. It just seems like so much. And I think I got caught up with the fact that they announced it all in one go, because it's so much to take in in one go. Yeah. But when you think about it, it's actually not that much. Yeah, it's it's a whole year's worth of product. Yeah, stuff to care about in a certain period of time. Like, So the the first new commander thing comes out with a courier, which is... Uh, I can't remember the date on that, but the start of next year. Around March, I think, yeah. So that's a while away. And then you only have to care about five decks, and then you have to wait a while before the the uh, commander collection. Then you have to wait a while for the Zendikar decks, and there's only two of those. And then you have to wait a while for Commander Legends, which can be like a big end of year thing, which I imagine will probably have some GPs like support, like at least big side events and stuff. So yeah, for the side events, I would assume so. Yeah, I can't imagine them doing a <laughs> Commander Legends GP main event. That would sound yeah. that sounds <laughs> awful. But yeah, it, it, I mean, it sounds good, but there's just that always that worry about you know burnout and fatigue and constant stuff going on and there's going to constantly be spoilers um i mean i like the idea generally like having stuff themed with standard sets that's cool yeah i I think that makes a lot of sense and i I think uh, to me it makes a lot more sense to have these decks than just 
like planeswalker decks or intro decks just just decks that that clearly just don't seem to be fulfilling the the purpose that they they're meant to have that's the thing is it always feels like the planeswalker decks or whatever or whatever they've decided to print at that specific time is targeted at like new or casual players yeah and then like i mean commander decks can also be targeted at new and casual players right yeah absolutely and then at least like you have a commander deck whereas like you buy a planeswalker deck now as a new player you learn to play with your planeswalker deck and then like that's it just never never play with it again yeah it just it doesn't have a place to go where does it go unless you're playing a planeswalker deck against a planeswalker deck where the hell are you playing it because if you enter your fnm it's gonna be embarrassing unfortunately and you can't it's obviously it's not a commander deck and it's not applicable to any other format so I, i don't know commanders are big things to try and get into but i think these are a good way to introduce people to the format because they're tied into the set they're buying anyway you're buying Throne of Eldraine booster packs, which is set on a certain plane with its own flavor and lore, and then you yep. see Planeswalker decks, which have on the front you have Gearhead from Ravnica, which makes sense because Ravnica's like fairly recent. But if you're just getting in with Throne of Eldraine, you don't really recognize it. You have Savine, who's from Dominaria. Then you have um, Anya, who's from Innistrad, and Kadena, who I'm pretty sure is from Tarkir. Yeah, I would assume so. Since she's a Naga wizard. But you have all that stuff, and it's just like, it's kind of a lot to get into. Yeah. As a product, like, if you're like, okay, this is the current standard set, and then I have this stuff that I had to care about, and it's all from everywhere, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense in terms of, in combination with the standard cards. So it's cool to see, like, we'll have... I mean, also it also allows them to print potentially really good commanders, like Legends specifically, because there's only going to be, like, there's going to be fewer new cards per one of these releases, right? Yeah. So it allows them to print sweet legendary creatures without having to jam them into the set. And it would allow you to print stuff like maybe Golas without it just completely breaking everything. Yeah, definitely. So it allows you to print these like, cool legends that are tied to a plane without having to put them into the actual standard set. And like yeah. have them kind of be, a feel, be like a feel bad or potentially be busted and limited. That was definitely one of my first reactions to it was was that just that it frees up some design space for for standard mm-hmm, absolutely just like you get a couple rare mythic slots back yeah. i assume because you don't have to put them in in the actual set you can put them in the commander products which is great which is like it's, it's it's a good idea i like that quite a lot but it, it seems like a lot when you're just presented with it and you watch that video and it's like 20 minutes of just introducing like four new products which are huge but i mean i'm assuming they're doing this in conjunction with the Brawl decks still, right? Yeah, I don't know. They didn't mention the Brawl decks at all um, anywhere. Uh, I guess it's one of those, you know, wait and see what happens. I don't know. Surely it's just better to scrap the Brawl decks than just, just, just print these. I mean, you think so, but then they've put so much into supporting Brawl that they kind of can't go back on it now. It's going to be I weird. Mean, I mean, you say that, but then they just didn't print enough Brawl decks. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, it's going to be like... That's the thing, you're going to go into an LGS, and you're going to see... So the standard sets, spanning back about a year from whatever, and then you're going to see the new set, which will be... The first time this happens will be a courier, and you're yeah. going to see a box, which has got a legendary creature from a courier on it, and you're going to see four others of those, and then you're going to see four other boxes which have different legends from a courier on it, and they're Brawl decks... There's just a lot of stuff to be going... Like yeah, I can't imagine shows. they'll be doing Brawl decks alongside them, no. I'd hope not. Yeah, me too. But, I mean, there's, 
I wouldn't put it past them. Because what's the point in just printing Brawl decks for, like, Eldraine and, I imagine, Theros? And then just not doing them again and just not supporting Brawl? Because, I mean, since the Brawl decks have been released, Brawl hasn't been a thing. Yeah. Like, I have heard very little about Brawl. People are building the, the commanders. Like, um, Alela and Korvald from the Brawl decks are the top two currently built commanders on EDH rack. Yeah. With, like, loads of lists. Like, people are building the legendary creatures because they're cool and they're, like, they're sweet legendary creatures, but no one's playing the Brawl deck. I've never seen anyone play Brawl. <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, um, and I haven't seen much online about it. There's not much on Twitter about it. There's not much content being produced about Brawl specifically. It doesn't seem like a thing that's getting people excited. So, yeah, I mean, because it's just not. So, I mean, maybe they're just moving the Brawl decks into Commander decks now. So, like, they're doing, because the Brawl decks were tied to the set, right? So yeah. All the characters were from the set, and you got, like, uh, new cards that were thematically tied to Eldraine, for example. So I imagine they're just doing that with the Commander decks now. So they'll be thematically, thematically tied to this current standard set, but they'll be Commander decks rather than Brawl decks, because Brawl sucks, and Commander is the most profitable commodity that <laughs> Wizards currently has. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I would assume that'll be the case. Scrap Brawl decks, replace them with Commander decks, you know, Soul Rings for everyone. It's going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I'm kind of worried that there's just going to be too much to have to do to my decks now. Sure. There's a real concern that these are going to be, like... Because what happens a lot of the time is with the Commander releases, once a year, they print, like, one or two cards that are just staples that you just have to conclude in your deck of any specific colour, or perhaps colourless. Like, with the Brawl decks, with the Arcane Signet, you've just printed a card that you have to put in every Commander deck, and if you don't put it in your Commander deck, you're kind of wrong. Yeah. And obviously, like, you can build at a certain power level, a certain budget, and, like, it doesn't really matter if you have Arcane Signet in your commander deck or not. But in terms of, like, if you're trying to build the quote-unquote best or most efficient version of your deck, putting Arcane Signet is exactly correct. The same with putting in Sol Ring and Command Tower. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, I mean, this year they printed uh, Dockside Extortionist, which is, like, the chase card, which was just, like, a staple in red decks, basically. Yeah. Uh, they had Teferi's Protection from 2016, which is just a staple in white decks, and you should play it. There's just the worry that they're going to print more and more of those cards so that every commander deck now is just 40% commander specific cards rather than people brewing with sweet standard cards or whatever, or like delving back into magic and finding cool cards from like stronghold and stuff that work with their deck. They're just like, Oh, this card's printed for this. So I should play it in this. And it's kind of boring and I have to play them because if I don't, I'm wrong. Yeah. Obviously that's not true because you can have free will (laughs) and you can choose what you put or don't put in your commander deck, but it just kind of feels bad if you don't. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I, I think I, I agree with you on that point definitely. Um, but I, I think there's I think there's kind of two sides to it as well. I think if you you look at like the amount of new cards they're printing, and I guess specifically once we get to Commander Legends, where they're they're printing seventy brand new legends, I think that you know you might see things go the other way slightly, where people see oh we have like you know over a hundred new legendary creatures. So that's over a hundred new commanders, so you know maybe there's just more opportunity to brew. Yeah, that's that's possibly true as well. Like, I think that's cool like, with Commander Legends specifically. The fact they're just introducing legendary creatures, and the point of it is that you draft a legendary creature in order to build a draft deck around. Yeah. So it's Commander Cube, means that you have to brew, and obviously there'll be content produced about it, and there'll be loads of articles about like telling you how to build certain commanders. But you won't just have like a framework to work off work off you'll have to have like you'll have to think about it which is certainly cool like i like that aspect of it absolutely but with commander decks it just cards that are designed for commander there's always a worry yeah so like i'm excited about these things but i'm also very skeptical because you're just gonna 
accidentally print something busted in Commander or something that's not busted but an auto-include and it ruins the diversity of the format, which is like, that's the point of the format, is to play what you want and play the cards you like and for diversity and variance, not to just play stock cards because you have to, like having to play Cyclonic Rift into Fairy's Protection and all this other nonsense just because they're the best cards in your deck. When you design cards for Commander specifically, there's much more of a risk of that happening. Yeah. Just mean you have, like, the surprise, surprise, this this episode we're doing about Commander, I'm the one mostly talking <laughs> <laughs> so far. Um, but it's like, like Throne of Eldraine, you had the Great Henge, which should just be in every green deck from now until the end of time. So there's always a risk, but like when you're designing cards for Commander, I don't like it as much. I think there's much more of a risk of that happening, and I don't like the format just being full of Commander cards rather than just Magic cards. Yeah, I think that's a fair take, definitely. I hope that rambling made sense. No, it did. It made sense as I was saying it. Yeah, I think my... So, my my sort of take on this comes from an exclusively non-Commander viewpoint. So I think my, my first my first thought, like I said before, was like, oh, this is cool. This frees up some design space for standard, for standard sets, uh, for both limited and constructed. But then my my second thought was kind of like, hmm, that's a lot of new cards we're getting for Eternal formats. I'm really worried about what this is going to do for Legacy and Vintage. Because we've seen, like, I don't know, just the, the amount of cards that have been printed in the past, like, nine months alone it just completely changed the face of, of, of legacy and vintage. I feel like from the, the over like that, what's it like at least 150 new cards we're getting next year. Some, something, you know, some things are going to impact those formats massively as well. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm less concerned about that than you are. Yeah. But it is definitely a consideration, especially knowing sort of how the commander products get designed. Yeah, and like how just general products get designed, and people aren't always communicating between different like formats and stuff. So the commander commander team have very little input on standard stuff or eternal format stuff. So I, I think overall my my feelings are, are more positive than negative towards towards the whole thing, but I think that's that's because of just just the reprint availability that it gives you. Like you get so many new slots for reprints, which is just so many so many more places where they can reprint cards that are just notoriously difficult to reprint mm-hmm. yeah like i just, I just want a grim tutor reprint so badly like is is that too much to ask for no i don't think so i think that seems like the kind of thing that they would put in the commander collection black see i don't think it would go in commander collection i think it's a commander legends card so it'll be in the packs because otherwise the, yeah yeah because it's like a 300 dollars card like then i don't think they're just going to put it in the what I assume will be limited from the vault slash spellbook style product. I think they'll put it in the you know the, the premium the premium draft set, and it'll be like it'll be like Imperial Recruiter. You know that that, that was a two hundred three hundred dollar card at one point, and then it got that one reprint, and it's never going to recover. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's I mean it's not in any way a desirable card outside of scarcity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's not even that good in Commander. No, you can play it. You can play it in Commander, and you can play it in one deck in Legacy if you want to. But because of the price, it is just so difficult to reprint. So I I think the fact that we get this this Commander Legends, that's it's probably just the perfect place for it to to slot in. I agree. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's a good place to put all these potential cards. I mean, all the cards. Yeah, I'm hoping they just they must 
think about that because Commander's a very expensive game to play currently. Yeah. Like, as a format, it's still very expensive. Outside of that, you can play on a budget, but, like, there's a load of cards people want to play with, but they just can't. Like, you can't play with Great Hoof Behemoth because it's, like, $35. So I'm excited to, to see them just put a load of stuff into into the sets or into the constructed decks or something, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I think the collections will be good as well. Like, I don't think they will be as stacked as, you know, having Grim Tutor and everyone for the black set, but... I think they will be good. From what we've seen so far, it's, it's very limited, but we've seen two bits of art. Uh, one of them features Yisan the Wanderer Bard, uh, who is casting a spell. This one has to be called a calling, right? Congratulations on saying Yisan the Wanderer Bard. Yeah. Not Yisan the Wandering Bard. It's not called the Wandering Bard, though. It's called the Wanderer Bard. Correct, yeah. I'm just congratulating you on saying the name right. Yeah. Because a lot of people get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well... I know, I know how to read. Yeah. <laughs> Sick brag. I wish I knew how to read. Um, yes, I'm assuming this is Court of Calling because it's yeah. Yusan playing his little liar thing. He is, yeah. I assume strumming a chord and loads of creatures with a magical spell being cast on them right behind him. Yeah. I assume it's Court of Calling. I mean, which is kind of weird because I don't think that card needs a reprint. Um, I mean, probably not. It's... It's like, what, like $10 or something? Something like that. Like, it's not far, like 12 maybe. It's a sweet Pioneer yeah. reprint, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So it, it's currently... Uh, the Ravnica City of Guild 1 is like $12 in Star City at the moment. But I, I think that that's cool. I think that's kind of perfect for this this sort of set, this From the Vault slash Spellbook style set. Yeah, absolutely. Um, see, we don't know like what, um, like what the, the price is going to be on this set yet but I, I can't imagine it'll be I can't imagine it'll be cheap but I can't imagine it'll be like $100 or anything either so if, if this is gonna you know with, with MSRP gone uh, the closest thing we can we can do is see what it sells for on Amazon when it's for sale there and or, or you know in like Walmart or Target or whatever and I, I don't know I reckon if it's like anywhere between 30 and $50 and they're just they just put like eight to ten like ten dollar cards in. I think I think it'll be great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of places from reprint stuff and a lot of stuff to be going on because we saw another piece of art as well, right? Yeah, we did. Which is like a leafy, planty, spirity looking thing. Yeah, so this one's an interesting one. Uh, so they've said that um, it's a it's a Kamigawa creature. Uh, although the creature is not originally from Kamigawa. And if you look closely at shape, you'll notice a subtle nod to Azusa, Lost But Seeking's headpiece. Yeah, so the top of the thing has the same, like, symbol as Azusa's headpiece, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really know what relevance that has, <laughs> honestly, because yeah. the only other, th- other thing that, like... So the things that are like Azusa are, like exploration and like um oracle of moldaya in a, a nice play additional lands and it's clearly not either of those because oracle of moldaya is an elf and exploration is an enchantment <laughs> um yeah so so originally i thought it was oracle of moldaya so from, from watching that video they were like they, they talked about the the azusa thing or like oh the headpiece is like azusa and Oracle of Modaya is a card that definitely, definitely needs a reprint. It hasn't had one, and it's expensive, and it needs one, and this would be the perfect place. It 
yeah, it doesn't look that much like an elf, but you know, who's who's to say what an elf looks like? But I do think it does look quite oracle-y. But then just just reading the article, it says this is a Kamigawa creature, and like obviously Moldaya is a named place on Zendikar and is not on Kamigawa. Yep. Yeah, I mean, also, Watsi has spent the last 26 years telling us what an elf looks like. So, <laughs> to change it that, <laughs> that drastically. True. This is true. Um, so, I mean, it looks like a spirit. It's, I assume, a green staple, because that's what they put in these FTV spellbook type sets. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to assume it's Seedborn Muse. Seedborn Muse, probably, yeah. Which is kind of bad, because it's been printed twice in the last 12 months, or just slightly over 12 months, where Battlebond was. Yeah. Because it was in Battlebond that it was in the most recent Commander X. So having that as print, I mean, it gets new art, which is nice, and um, I imagine because it's like the spellbook where you get, like, the eight cards and you get one in foil. Yeah. So they'll be available maybe. in foil. Uh, I mean, they said, at the very least, that the cards in those will be available in foil and non-foil. So you'll be able to yeah. get a foil of new art. It's, it's going to be, it's, nice. two, it's two versions of the of the product. So there's a, there's a regular oh, cool, one okay. and there's a foil version of it. Sure. I didn't so know. I think one, I think the foil one is only WPN premium stores, and the regular one, like, only... WPN stores can get the regular one, not the foil one. Sure, okay. Great. That's something I have an opinion on, but I won't bother going into it. Um, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a new art of a card that is very, very playable and a staple that people will want, and you can get it in foil. That's nice. I mean, it, it kind of, it's kind of, if that's the kind of level of reprint we're going for. Again, I think it's like, it's probably fine if it's going to be like, I don't know, like a $30 box. Yeah, true. Because it's, it's like the FTVs towards the end just started, like, all the cards in there were kind of bad, and no one really wanted them. Like, FTV Angels, like, no one sold FTV Angels. Yeah, and especially if you look at, like, all of the foil versions of Seaborn Muse, like, the cheapest one's, like, $30, and that's the Battlebond one. And regular Seaborn Muse, Muse and Battlebond's, like, $7 in Star City. So, you've got that, and then you've got your, your $13 uh call in so that's like twenty dollars already. Yeah that's fine. That's fine. I'm trying to guess what the rest of it is. Like I can't imagine they'd put like a cultivate <laughs> in this like <laughs> premium product. I hope they wouldn't at least. Explore. I mean what, what I want it to be is like so Cord Calling is super are fine. I want it to be Oracle of Moldaya, Crater Hoof Behemoth, Exploration and Sylvan Library. Yeah, and then like Sylvan Library would be a good one. That's not all of them, obviously, but like something like that, that caliber of card I think they need to put in them. Yeah, just get those cards to play his hands. Yeah, I mean, this it seems it seems good. Yeah, I, I think so. Again, just more reprints are good. Like, Absolutely. I think the like magic kind of feels like it's it's never been more expensive than it is currently. So the more reprints we can get, the better, in my opinion. No, it doesn't matter where they come from as long as we're getting them. Yeah, I, I do find it. I think do you think it'd be hard for them to print like? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very much looking forward to these products. I think. Yeah, I am. I mean, the vast majority of them aren't for me. I'm definitely going to be drafting that Commander Legends set maybe once or twice, but I'm just more interested to see what's what's going to be in, what's going to be in the sets, what the new cards are going to be like, and I don't know. Maybe we'll get some more hints towards Carl Time 2021. <laughs> Are you just going to keep saying that the next set that they haven't announced yet is going to be cold time until you're correct? Absolutely. Okay, great. We just put some kind of bet on it. <laughs> Are you want to bet that cold time is the first set out of 2021? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's never going to come soon enough, but it is going to come one day. I think one of the things that I'm most worried about with it is just there's so much 
to to have to pass now with all potential more spoilers. Yeah. And I was very much like moving away from proper constructed capacity formats generally because I couldn't bother to keep up and I felt like I was getting burnt out on it. And there was a lot of fatigue and what we had obviously this year's been spoiler central, right? Yeah. And I kind of thought, oh, I'll go, I'll go, you know, I'll, I'll put more of my effort into Commander and I'll play that because that's more chill and I can just care about that. And I won't have to worry about, like, every standard set, I pick up a couple of cards and that's fine. But now there's going to be so much injected into this format next year. And if that's going to continue every year and we're going to have, like, seven new Commander decks a year and a FTV type product and all of this, like, there's so much to put into my decks and I have to think about that I'm, I'm kind of off that. <laughs> I don't think I like that very much. There's just there's just a lot of stuff, like a lot of products all the time, and I th- I think we're very much at the point now. I think especially this this big commander thing just kind of solidifies that like there are now kind of three ways to play Magic essentially. There's like there's constructed, there's draft, and then there's commander. Or I guess I'm going to refer to them as there's forty card Magic, sixty card Magic, and hundred card Magic. And I think you I think it might just be that we're at the point where you kind of need to decide what your lane's going to be and just stick to it. Yeah, having, like, fingers in every pie is very, very difficult currently. Yeah. I think, so I'm trying to keep it to date with everything that isn't vintage, and it's just so much. Like, I don't have time to draft and play Commander and keep it to date with Standard and Modern and, like, build a new Pioneer deck and still enjoy Legacy. Yeah. It's very, very difficult. And, I mean, maybe that's just me being... I don't know, yeah, I, you have to just pick a lane. And that's kind of a shame. It is. It's a massive shame, but I, I think it might just be the case. Yeah. Maybe I should just pick my lane. But now my lane's getting all clogged with loads of new products and having things to have to think about. Yeah. Oh, I'm already kind of bored of it. Oh, well, I'll just stop complaining. This is very much like a a non-problem to have. The thing I enjoy is doing too well. It, it can definitely lead, lead to some problems. Like, you know, if you want to talk about, like, like, burnout or, like, FOMO or, like... Just, just the mental effects of magic. Like there are, you know, like you talked about a couple of weeks ago. Like there are so many, I guess, for want of a better term, like psychological factors that come into play with magic, and these these things definitely affect that that side of the game in a big way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it really does. Like, there's just I'm just constantly thinking about all these things I have to to worry about. Yeah, it's it's that it's like you that exactly like you you say all these things that you feel like you have to worry about where like you, you don't really but but you feel like you have to you feel like you you need to 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 keep up to date with everything in the game to stay relevant in the game yeah and otherwise you're just gonna get left behind yeah because everyone else is going to keep up to date with it and like it's going to be all over twitter and everything and all the content you consume is going to be about that new thing and you just don't have you, you can't be part of it yeah i think that's that's the problem i'm, I'm feeling it's just that there's just too much to be to be concerned about and to think about and there's no time for anything else i can't i don't understand people that have other hobbies outside of magic yeah but you know when they play magic and they also like are really invested into video games or something or like some other kind of hobby how do you have the time between you know having like a, a i imagine some kind of social life and you know a job how do yeah. you have time to be in doing other things i don't know <laughs> I, 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 I don't i don't know i'm certainly not able to no i mean i, I certainly have like 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 another hobby definitely but i mean you know like like i've said a few times now like professional wrestling is definitely like my second hobby 
but it's, it's a very passive hobby because you just you just watch wrestling yeah sure there's, there's lots of like keeping up to date with the you know wrestling community online and things to to read and learn and it is heavily involved but it is a it is a very sort of passive i'd say hobby as opposed to magic where you're you're having to attend tournaments and play and you use you use a lot more sort of mental energy you do in a game of magic or reading about magic or thinking about building a deck than you would just by watching something on tv yeah you've actually got to put time and effort into it right like you've got yeah. to oh, i don't know it's getting too much it's getting a lot and I, like that thing like commander was meant to be like my sort of safe haven away from that or like i don't have to care about things and i have to care about all these things I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm like, I'm sure it's great, and like, it allows Watsy to finally capitalize on uh, on the commander market properly because they weren't doing yeah. that before. Like, they were just you release four commander next year, people buy them, and then they don't really buy. Like, they buy the commander deck, realize it was wasn't a very good use of their money, <laughs> and then sort of just buy the cards they want. They're not <laughs> really buying boxes and boosters and stimulating the economy in the way they want them to. Yeah. Whereas this allows you to because they're going to buy the the special commander collection thing and they're going to maybe buy a couple of the decks every time and you're not just putting up one cycle of decks there's, t- there's three cycles of actual pre-constructed decks this time that you can buy from and then they're probably going to enter the draft and they're probably they might buy like i don't know if they're not very sensible they might buy a box of commander legends and open all that and like you, you get to get a bigger you get to see a bigger revenue from your most active the most active part of your community yeah which i think it's very very smart yeah, it is. I think it is a very smart move for Wizards of the Coast, and you know, typically it's it's a good thing. And Wizards make money. We all make money. We all get to play more Magic. But it's like it's kind of transparent, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I know, I, I believe that like you know, Gavin Verhey and and the Commander team. So I'm sure there are other people on the Commander team, but he's the only one that gets any sort of airtime or any traction. <laughs> but um, I'm sure it's very well designed, and they've they've been playing this for a while, and it's very exciting, and there's lots of cool lore stuff, and there's lots of cool cool cards that you can put in your commander decks and it's all gonna be very very fun but it is kind of transparent that you just this is just another way to to juice the market i guess yeah which i oh, i don't like being cynical <laughs> but i feel <laughs> it's very true to my character to be cynical so it turns out we didn't even get those the ban restricted announcement yesterday uh we are now recording on day two uh, after we we finally have the beginning announcement after Wizards finished their their lunch, I believe is is what they they went for. Yes, that whole meme. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that so meme we, got too much. We, we waited like literally hours and hours for this this ban and restrict announcement to come out, uh, and it just it got far too late. So we figured we'll pick it up tomorrow. I guess it's now today, and we'll uh, we'll just cover it once we've once we've had time to read it all and, and go through it all and yeah it's it's a good one i think yeah it's not quite the the gut reactions we were hoping for yeah to record um because by the time the announcement actually dropped it was like half 11 here i think yeah at least <laughs> which was far too late to be recording a podcast um but yeah i'm pretty happy with the band so do you want to do you want to run run through them yeah so uh nice and simple we've got fellow our guardian is banned Leyline of Abundance is banned, and Oath of Nyssa is banned. So it's effective uh, as of today on Magic Online and Tabletop that will be from Friday, November 8th. Hell yeah. Seemed very reasonable. I yeah. think this is something that I foolishly admitted from our last episode where we were talking about the format, just how broken the Monogreen deck was. Yeah, I, I, I don't think many people were sort of that tuned into it like this time last week. 
yeah, it just sort of came out. I'm not out of nowhere because it was definitely a player, but like I didn't, I said I didn't play against it that much, and I didn't realize just how busted it was. It's like going yeah, absolutely ley line of abundance in your opening hand, and then you make a turn one land or elves, and then on turn two you make a Nickthas and cast a Nissa, and then tap your land, and then that taps for three mana because of ley line and Nissa, and then you get to cast some other stuff, and it's just like that's that's one way of doing it. Or you could have two ley lines and a mana dork, and that's a, that's a Nissa on turn two. Or like, yeah, there was just there were multiple ways to just have an unreasonable amount of mana early on. I it was just it was just right. It was just right to get rid of it. I think. Yeah, when you have like hydrocrasis and walking ballista and stuff like that, it's just it's so easy to use all that excess mana, and it was not reasonable. Uh, so yeah, I think the the leyline band seems very very reasonable. Yep, I'm definitely for it. Um, and obviously the cat. <laughs> Yeah, so I was playing Jeskai Copycat because it was probably correct just to play a Copycat deck where you were playing 4-colour, 5-colour, Marvel or Jeskai, didn't really matter. Like, as long as you know a turn 4 instant win combo is legal, it's probably just correct to play it. Uh, yeah, again, seems absolutely reasonable. Uh, I, I, do think, I do think they might have been able to hold on for a week or two longer just to see how the format sort of settled a bit uh, i don't think it was too much of a problem because there were certainly like plenty of good answers in the format but i, I do think they are justified in just just calling the ban now and getting it getting it over and done with yeah i agree I, like it was always going to be a problem and i think i've been since the format's been announced been like oh we should probably just ban this card because yeah. it was just too good and it felt unwinnable from a lot of positions with the deck especially considering the deck was just backed up with like a lot of other very good planeswalkers and stuff, or like Yvanifar chains or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I was more concerned about the the Vanifar version of the deck than just like the the control slash kind of planeswalk version of the deck, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just like giving those like decks that are reasonable without a, an I win button, an I win button, just it was too ridiculous. Yeah, and I think it also sets the precedent. Like going forward, it's so easy to accidentally print something that's broken with Fenelar Guardian. Yeah, 100%. I did see quite a few people calling for the banning of Sahili instead of Felidar, but yeah, like Sahili's fine. Sahili's probably going to see like next to no play currently. Um, like now the combo's not there anymore. Felidar Guardian probably would have seen, you know, a non zero amount of play, I think, in just like some, you know, decent value decks. But at some point down the line, like I can almost guarantee they will print a card that would have been another. You know, infinite combo or like just just game breaking, meta breaking effect. There's definitely a way for it to be broken somehow. I mean, it's just a good card anyway. It's yeah, it's a fantastic card. I mean, actually, it's not. It's really not that good, is it? Well, it depend. It depends what there is. It, I mean, it depends what the answers are in the format. I think the answers in Pioneer were mostly quite good, but it didn't die to stuff like like a braid and lightning strike. Uh, and obviously it doesn't die to Fatal Push very easily when there's no fetch lands in the format. Yeah, F- Fatal Push has really like, fallen off, because I think a lot of people were just sort of jamming it into any deck that was touching black because it's such a good removal spell elsewhere. Yeah. But when you take away fetch lands, that card's kind of embarrassing a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. And obviously you have Fabled Passage and stuff like that, and you have like food, which is an interesting way to trigger a revolt, but yeah, like actually getting it to kill a 4-drop is so difficult. <laughs> That yeah. it just isn't worth it, especially when you have like Assassin's Trophy and stuff like that. That's just just better, just a cleaner answer. Yeah. So the other ban we have is Oath of Nessa. 
yeah. So this is definitely one that I had mentioned, um, if if not last week, the week before, in the sort of like, you know, oh maybe maybe we should just ban this. I, I don't think the card the card doesn't do a lot of sort of broken things in like the sense that you'd imagine sort of typically. I think it it fills that role that that once upon a time does. It finds your it finds your land, drops all your creatures. It, it it does that for for the cost of one mana instead of zero mana. But I think the I think really the reason why they banned this is is just the the ability to play planeswalkers for any any color of mana uh, is a is a real real game changer. I think and it just reminds me of the astrolabe ban in Pauper. Yeah, I think Sam Black had a good take on Twitter when it's like the oath of Nissa ban seems kind of confusing when you first see it, yeah. and then when you realize they're banning. Arkham's Astrolabe and not Ponder, it makes a lot more sense. That's, Absolutely, that's yeah, that's that a really card. good way of putting it. Yeah, especially considering the um, the other two cards that were banned were in decks that were playing Oath of Nyssa as yeah. four ofs um, to facilitate either, just like a, like a Ponder effect or just to fix their mana to be able to cast any any kind of Planeswalker. And it's also really obnoxious with Fellow Guardian. Yeah. Just being, <laughs> being able to blink your Ponder. Yeah, so I think it's, I think it's very reasonable to ban that. Um, I'm pretty happy with them. I think there's still a couple of possible concerns i have with other cards that might need banning going forward yeah definitely i i think overall i'm i'm very happy with it with this banning like i know i was playing felder guardian but i quite easily just brewed up a blue white control deck i'm going to play instead now it doesn't take much to convert it over but yeah I, th- I think you're right i think there are definitely a couple of cards that were on my list for potentially being banned that now get a lot better um some definitely system decks and strategies get a lot better now that we have a copycat and mono green gone well i don't know if mono green's gone but it's definitely hindered a lot yeah it doesn't get the like really busted opening starts i think that was the problem with the deck like a deck that makes crap load of mana with nickthas is fine um but if it's as long as it's doing it like turn four or five where your opponents had a chance to properly interact rather than just like being able to do it on turn two and essentially yeah. win the game from that moment yeah i think taking shots at the two most obviously powerful decks in the format is a good place to start with the bands yeah absolutely uh, and i don't think there's anything it might be, might be because they were being held down by the copycat deck and the, and the monogreen deck but i don't think there's anything else currently that warranted anything like a ban because they weren't dominating too much yeah because every other like any results we've seen like the from the the nerd rage uh event tournament whatever it's actually yeah. called Everything else was just sort of like flavors of other decks. There wasn't any other strategy that was as well represented as the copycat or the devotion deck. Yeah. So, where do we think the format goes from here now that we've got these two decks at least hindered? So, I think currently, for at least the next week, uh, we are living in Arclight Phoenix's world, and we are also living in Nexus of Fate's world as well. I think the the big sort of decks that I felt were, were well the big deck I guess really that I felt was very powerful from the Paper Pioneer event that I played and from what I'd seen results on Magic Online was that the, the is a Phoenix deck is very good it's very strong it feels and I guess kind of looks a lot like just the modern version of the deck really um, and it's it, it's a very powerful deck and I, I think the the fact that like the the turn four combo combo deck that was was quite good against it it's gone that makes it a lot better uh and yeah nothing got banned in that deck that was already good 
and the deck is playing treasure cruise and sometimes it's playing decrew time yeah i think i don't know i don't think i'm not sure the problem in that deck is treasure cruise necessarily i i think it i kind of think it is just because it allows them to refuel their hand so easily like the the cards all like all the spells that you play require you to discard a card the cards that you discard and get advantages for being discarded and then while those cards are being put into your graveyard that's also making your treasure cruise cheaper cheaper as well and then you just draw in more gas like the, the deck just feels just like 100 percent gas I don't, know, I still don't know where i stand on that i guess we'll have to see how the next week or so shakes out in terms of whether phoenix is just dominating everything yeah but i wouldn't be surprised if it did because yeah i i think it is very well positioned currently uh and yeah the the other deck that i think is it's fantastic at the moment is the um the nexus reclamation deck yeah Turns out the cards printed within the last two years are really good. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a deck that won the the Pioneer PTQ. Um, it yeah just uses a the good old combination of Nexus of Fate and Wilderness Reclamation to do pretty much what it did in standard, except now it gets to play Dig Through Time to help find the the Nexus again. Uh, it gets to play uh, a thing in the ice as a nice win condition. It's, yeah, Supreme Will again to help find the Nexus. Tamiyo's in there, Narset's in there. It's it's just like what the best standard version of the deck would have looked like if all of these cards were, were legal. And I don't know. I don't know how much of a problem it's going to be in the long run. But again, like I wouldn't be surprised if something from this deck does get banned, if not next week, the week after. Yeah, possibly. I mean, honestly, I've not like I've been playing like a lot of Pioneer still, and I haven't seen the Nexus deck that much. I think part of the thing is it's yeah. <clears throat> it's very laborious to play online. Yeah, yeah. Um, and no one can really be bothered to do that. It seems. But yeah, yeah. Like, there's such certainly potential for it to get too good. I think, especially considering how oppressive it was in standard for a time. Yeah, absolutely. I think the fact that it's it's we've seen a couple of Nexus decks five nil leagues, and then like I said, it won the the Pioneer PTQ as well on Magic Online. So, I think because it's it's had those big visible wins. I think more people will pick it up, but I do think there might be that thing of like people just really hate Nexus of Fate for for good reason. So I think people just might not pick it up for for that reason alone. They, they hate the card. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's true. But I mean, if it's the best deck, then people will pick it up anyway, I guess, and it'll still do well, and it'll still, if it's going to be too good, it'll still be too good. I yeah, think, I think some of the there's 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 like a couple of I think there's like a few cards that I wouldn't have been surprised had they made it onto the ban list. Yeah. I think stuff like... I mean, Jeskai Ascendancy hasn't put too much of a good showing up, but there's only a matter of time before someone finds the correct build of that deck to break everything. Yeah, absolutely. That that was one of my big surprises, was that, like, from the whole sort of article about the bannings, there was no mention of Jeskai Ascendancy at all. Mm-hmm. Considering it's also, like, a, a linear infinite combo deck. Yeah, that can win as early as turn two. Yeah, exactly. Like, I guess it's it's less consistent than the, than the, the Felidar deck. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and also, like... It has very little game outside of enacting its combo. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't do anything unless you're comboing. Um, whereas the Felar deck can just attack with creatures and like activate powerful planeswalkers and actually have a game. So I guess there's a difference yeah. in, in that in that way. Uh, I think another consideration is Once Upon a Time. <laughs> that card's way yeah. too good. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of people talk about that as well. It's free spells. Free spells are pretty much always a problem. Yeah, it's just like it's facilitating 
all the nonsense as much as Oath of Nyssa is, in terms of like the drawing aspect of that card. And obviously it doesn't fix, but it also costs zero mana and looks at five cards. Um, yep. Which is just... And then, like, it, for two mana, that's a perfectly reasonable effect. And it just gets to... Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it can enable combos, and it can enable just fair creature decks, and it's just in pretty much every deck from deck dumps. Like, any deck touching green is playing that card. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a problem if you want... <sighs> this is the thing, because often the case for bans are, like, format diversity, and that's normally in terms of, like, the diversity of threats rather than the diversity of deck construction. But yeah. if the diversity of deck construction is just, like, zero because everyone's playing once upon a time then i think that's as much of a problem as like deck diversity not being good because everyone's playing splinter twin for example yeah 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 quite possibly and the same thing with like arkham's astrolabe like in pauper when it's like that card was just everywhere and that had something to do with why it was banned yeah so it's certainly up there for considerations in terms of bans yeah i think it's definitely a card that should be in conversation um i mean the Nexus deck isn't playing it, so that's one thing it's got <laughs> in, in favour of it not being banned, I guess. Yeah, because but... there are no good cards for Once Upon a Time to find in that deck, I guess. Yeah. Because it's not really playing any creatures. Uh, it plays one copy of Thing in the Ice main board. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then most of them are playing a couple of Tireless Trackers in the sideboard. Yeah, I mean, Dig Through Time's better at finding those. Yeah. And also finding Nexus or Reclamation or anything like that. Any of the other decks we've seen, like like Simic Ramp or like Sultai Control, which feels weird that, that, that that's kind of like the jund of the format. But yeah, like that's playing it. Like yeah, any any deck that that can play it will play as many copies as possible, and it's probably just correct to do that. Yeah, and they probably should across every format, probably. Yeah. So I think you know the initial hype from Once Upon a Time was correct because of the, you know when it was first spoiled, everyone was like, "This card's really really good. It should go in every ring deck." And then for a few weeks there, everyone was like, "Oh, it's actually not that good because when you have to not when you have to hardcast it, it's not as good." And yeah. then people played it for like a week <laughs> in actual decks in every format. We're like, "Oh, this is broken." How do you feel about the the hardened scales deck? Because we know that that's the deck that won that the uh, the Nerd Rage Gaming five k. Yep. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if it's putting up the results on Magic Online. I think it's really good. Yeah, I I like it, but I I don't know if it's. If it's as broken as, as I thought it might be when I when I originally saw the deck, I've played a lot of games against it, and honestly, sometimes they just it just feels unwinnable. Like my opponent, one of my opponents got stuck on two lands, and they just killed me on turn four. Yeah, um, that deck's really silly. It's very hard to interact with um, because removal spells aren't great. Yeah. Because they can just cast something else. Yeah. Uh, and they just have a high density of things that are broken with hardened scales and with winding constrictor. And then, like, naturalized effects in this format are quite bad. Yeah. So they just get to sit with their hardened scales. Um, and then, you know, they have four walking ballistas main deck, so they get to ping off your creatures and planeswalkers. It, the problem is, it's just, it's, it's relatively consistent and it's very hard to interact with. Um, I think that's the problem yeah. with that deck. It's, it's, it, and I mean, like, maybe it just wasn't putting up the results because Mono Green and the Felar deck were just faster at winning than they were. So that's yeah, why we saw, possibly. you know, less of that, less of that turning up, I guess. But yeah. it's it's certainly, like, I don't know if it's a sleeper in the format, but it's something, definitely something that people should pay attention to and take very, very seriously. Yeah, I would agree, definitely. Yeah, like I said before, the fact that we have no, like, Stony Science or anything like that. Not that those cards are particularly good against the deck, but anything like that, there's no, like, hard artifact hate card in this format. Yet. Yeah. So they just sort of get to run wild. 
Um, and also, Pelt Collector's very stupid. <laughs> Pelt Collector gets out of control really quick. I mean, if it, if the deck does get out of control, then maybe Harsh Mentor finally sees some play somewhere? Ah, uh, probably not. That card sucks. Yeah. That card's like... Yeah. <laughs> I, I was excited about that card when it first got spoiled, and I was like, I think it's... I don't know, it's like one ability, or like maybe one power and toughness away from being playable. Yeah. It's just kind of mopey. So two mana one two, right? Two mana two two. Two mana two two. Hmm. Two mana two two, whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact, creature or land on the battlefield, if it's not a mana ability, it deals two damage. I mean to be fair, like there's not actually that many activated abilities in the hardened scales deck. Yeah, that is that is true. It's just ballista and like hangback walker, I guess. And steel overseer. Oh yeah, overseer, I guess. But like the thing is like the deck doesn't need those things to be broken. Yeah. You just like cast the serpent or like cast a walking ballista, you don't even need to activate it because you've just got a massive creature and it doesn't matter. And then yeah. you just, I guess, sandbag your overseers. Or just play your overseers because if you're taking such a minimum amount of damage per turn, they're going to die before it's ever relevant. Yeah, it's true. Because they've also got to pressure you. And also they clog up the board with like 4-4s and 5 very, very quickly. Yeah. So that if you're playing Harsh Mentor, the rest of your aggro plan, I assume from your red deck that's playing Harsh Mentor, just doesn't matter. Yeah. I think that looks very good. I guess I guess you got you I don't know, if you're playing mono red you got plenty of other cards to deal with them as well, like Smash to Smithereens are still great. Yep. I I think mono red's really good. I think it's I think it it has the potential to be one of the best decks in the format. I just don't think anyone's playing it at the moment. Yeah, it just like it doesn't have the same reach as, as... It's not exciting. It's I mean people love mono red. It's just not an exciting deck. People 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 yeah, people like mono red, but it's not like Oh, here, here, here's this, this new format. There's only five cards that are banned, which I guess eight cards that are banned now. Go wild and brew. And I think people are very much in that sort of brewing space than just like, oh, I'm going to play all of these good red cards. Yeah, but I mean, there's also people that are like, I can play literally whatever I want in this format and I'm going to register four copies of Lava Spike. Yeah. Like, <laughs> those people exist. Um, and this is another format you can play Idol on the Great Revel in. Another format yeah. you can play Swiss Beer in. I just think it lacks the reach of its older counterparts. Sure. Um, and it lacks, like, it's sort of the mono red deck's normal, like, late game of, like, Chandra or Thunderbreak or... Um, Glorybringer. Glorybringer, yeah. Sort of lack... Like, nobody's playing that. Yeah, like... <laughs> so sad. They lack the impact yeah. that they used to have in standard decks. So you're sort of, you have to play, like, a really low to ground aggro deck and it's just, like... It doesn't have the reach of like lava spikes and lightning bolts. It has uh, wild slash and skewer yeah. the critic, whereas like the modern version has a high density of those, and your creatures don't matter as much. Where you have to focus a lot more on the creatures in the in the um, in the pioneer version. Yeah, yeah. They just die to push and abrupt decay and assassin's trophy and what have you. But I mean, yeah, I mean, some people, some people are playing Glorybringer. There's a sweet Absan deck that was playing Glorybringers. <laughs> It's like playing Siege Rhino yeah. to Glorybringer. That was from the Node Rage thing. It came like 23rd or something, but yeah, it, it, was, yeah. it was playing Siege Rhino into Glorybringer. I'm not sure that's good, but it's certainly a thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was really really surprised by the uh, the Abzan aggro deck that came forth in the Node Rage tournament as well. Right, I don't want to throw any shade at the person that registered that deck, because they clearly did very well with it, but God, yeah. that deck looked like it sucked. <laughs> it, it was just like, hey, 2015 standard called. Like... Yeah, and I love that deck. I love the Abzan aggro deck from yeah. that standard. It's one of my favourite standard decks of all time. But like, in, in, in any format, I mean, even in standard, resolving a Shattered Death Dealer on turn two felt bad. 
It's got to feel real bad in Pioneer. <laughs> it's like, why aren't you playing Grim Flayer? Yeah, I, I don't understand why they weren't playing Grim Flayer. Like, maybe it was a card availability issue at the time. Yeah, possibly. Or, I, I don't know. I don't know why not. But, yeah, like, you had Four Warden in the first tree. Seems fine. Four Fleece Main Lion. I kind of like that. Um, sure. Then you had three uh, Rikshasha Death, Death Dealer, one Scavenging Ooze, three Anafenza, the foremost, four Siege Rhino, two Gideon Blackblade, three Alive Zendikar, four Thoughtseize, two Fatal Push, two Abrupt Decay, two Dabrokas Command, one Assassin's Trophy, one Absan Charm. Yeah, it's just like, it's a 2015 Karns of Tarkir Theros Standard deck. Is that 2015? 2014? Yeah, somewhere in between the two. Yeah, it's just a, it's a Karns of Tarkir Theros Standard deck. And here's some Gideons. Yeah. It's like, cool, all right, sure. I mean, it's like, I like the idea of that deck. And, yeah. And definitely. I think, like, now that we've banned the two stupid combo decks, that that might that plan might have more weight to it and be more viable. Yeah. But, yeah, I think the build was suspect, to say the least. <laughs> I, I think it's really cool. Like, obviously, they did really well with the deck. I'm just really surprised to see a deck like that performing so well like this early on in the format yeah yeah seems strange but like, I mean yeah like this, I think like for me this is kind of what I imagined like like what decks will look like in January not like week three of the format <laughs> Once got the it's cool though I, I love it like yeah you, you can you can play 4 Siege Rhino in Tears Proof that's great absolutely I mean if you just like thought Siege your opponent and then have removal spells, and then follow up with a couple of siege rhinos. So you're going to get somewhere. It's just certainly not awful. It just seems like a yeah. Specifically, that build seems kind of confusing. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, sweet. It seems like a sweet deck. Uh, I think there's a, a few more cards we need to potentially discuss briefly before we head out. Yeah, go for it. Mainly some of them that have the uh, subtype planeswalker, or the type planeswalker, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> And we've already broken the Oko rule, so we can talk about that. Uh, I think Teferi's a consideration. Yeah, I I do as well. Um, he was on my list of, of cards last week. Um, I I don't know. I feel like it's probably a card that I would less I'd be less likely to ban now that like the the Feldar Guardians banned because now it just becomes more of a more of an annoying control card as opposed to like like a, a way to stop interaction with the combo which i i feel like it was the sort of major role of the card before no it's a it's a major player in the format and it's the the best card in the format it's absolutely everywhere if you listen to one of my moto opponents from earlier today and they told sure. me because <laughs> i i rented them on a blue deck which is quite good but not good enough i don't think just to throw that in there while we're discussing pioneer yeah sure i had fun with it but like it's, some of your stuff is just so mopey compared to what's going on with the format. Like you play against hardened scales and you're like trying to resolve, um, like tied binder mages, <laughs> and they're like, "Here's a five five. Like, okay, great. Um, but yeah, I was playing that deck and it was it was really good fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed casting master waves again. And then my opponent put I I like mystical disputed one of their spells, and they um, got very angry in the chat <laughs> with some swear words, and then. Uh, I did it again, and also spell pierce and something. It's like, why are you playing your deck when there's so many Teferis everywhere? You're an idiot. I'm just like, what? <laughs> it's like, the reason this deck is bad isn't because of the existence of Teferi. The deck is bad because this deck is bad. <laughs> it's just a very in- yeah. interesting interaction to have. Like, oh, there's so many Teferis everywhere. Why are you playing this? And they weren't even playing Teferi. Oh, God. Also, like, spell pierce isn't bad because Teferi exists. 
spell pierce is, is, is great in a format where like the early turns count exactly like i get to spell pierce your teferi idiot yeah it's weird <laughs> oh your things have flash okay cool i'll play them at sorcery speed then it won't matter like veil of summer is the most played card in basically every format at this point and teferi is also very very playable in all the formats like yeah <laughs> one doesn't affect the other that much yeah but yeah, I think Teferi is always a consideration for banned in any format. I mean, I just want him to be banned in any format he can, because it's just not a good card to exist in a healthy game, I don't think. I think it's probably fine when you don't have yeah, when it's not like... things like the Fellow Guardians Healy combo, when when you you know, it's 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 just a it's a big stop sign for like for that for that deck or any or any sort of infinite combo. Like if you can put something out that says, Oh, you can't cast anything in my turn. Yeah, when it's not protecting the nonsense, it's more reasonable. That's that's a real problem for, for I think Pioneer definitely. But when it's just like an annoying control card, then I, I don't think it's I probably don't think it's bannable. Like yeah. to me just it, I understand it's annoying, but I don't think it's any more annoying than like Thalia is. How dare you? Yeah, you know, like that. <laughs> There's a difference between Thalia taxing both players and Teferi stopping someone interacting with you. Thalia hardly taxes both players. Absolutely. My Swords of Power shares cost two. How dare you? <laughs> My Green Sun Zeniths cost one extra. That sucks. It's a number in the deck. Just because you're playing exclusively spells and have to cast loads of spells in one turn isn't my problem, Joe. <laughs> um, but I, I understand your point, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then I guess we have to briefly mention the fact that Oko should be banned in every format, and then we'll move on. Yeah, uh, on that we we do actually have a a finally a banning of Oko. Oh my god, can we talk about fresh, <laughs> fresh and exciting? Uh, yeah, we out of nowhere we got a ban and restricted announcement for Arena today, mm. and Oko has been banned in Arena Brawl. Yes, because that's a format that everyone cared about. <laughs> I mean, to yeah, be fair, you should like, uh, leave the train, leave the sound of that train going by. in after I said that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, from what I've understood, it's a, it's a start, right? It's easy, you know. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, it sounds like the like Oko in Brawl was just miserable, and people were just auto conceding to that card because it's no fun. Because as much as we yep. hate people who, not people, but as much as we hate playing against decks that have four copies of Oko in that they're likely to draw, and then we hate playing against Oko. Imagine if that's just in your command zone, <laughs> so you have yeah, it on yeah. you have it on turn three, if not turn one, if not turn two, every game. That sounds so miserable. So yeah. I understand. But you play your commander, and then your opponent plays an Oko, and then they turn your commander into an Elk, and then your commander just stays as an Elk for the rest of the game, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Yes, and then they continue to turn the rest of your stuff into Elks, and then you don't get to play the game, and then the entire world is an Elk. It's it, it just seems like the, I mean like obviously. It makes sense to ban it, but it just seems like the most like pointless ban ever. Like it's you can only play the format once a week anyway. It's not banned in Paper Brawl. It is just specifically on Magic Arena. It, I, I don't know, but at least it's a start. At least it's banned somewhere. Hopefully, we'll we'll see it reverberate through the other formats too. Sweet. Uh, I think that's all we pretty much have to say about. Pioneer or potentially Oko, I guess, if we're doing that again. Yeah, I think so. I'm still living the format. I'm going to play a, another paper tournament this weekend. I'm going to play Blue White Control. It's it's fine. Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess I guess now the combo's gone. The control decks get better because they don't have to play like they don't have to have to dedicate eight slots to a combo. So that's pretty cool. 
I'm looking forward to playing more Spell Quellers and Supreme Verdict's main board. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Oh, God, I forgot how much I hated that card. Yeah. Spell Queller's so obnoxious. Spell Queller is amazing. <laughs> so obnoxious. And then you just get hit for two in the air. Like, oh, God. Gotta hit. Also, I haven't missed playing yeah. against Teferi Hero of Dominaria, like, at all. God, that sucks. <laughs> like, it just feels so unwinnable so often. <laughs> Especially when they have like, <laughs> especially when like decks have like much cheaper interactable spells spells than they did in that standard. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think uh, I'm I'm loving Pioneer still, uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to exploring this this cat free world now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm still really enjoying the format. I'm trying to play it as much as I can. So uh, yeah, I don't think this dissuades anyone from playing it. I think we're still very much this is like the format right now this is the format everyone wants to play the most i think outside of commander which we've already addressed (laughs) oh oh actually before we we do actually stop the podcast um just we have to mention the whole leak thing right yeah that was bad don't leak cards please yeah that's like yeah but i mean did we talk about it last week was it leaked last week it was leaked just after uh, literally just after we finished recording yeah it's uh yeah, I mean, if you want to go, if you want to see the cards, they're available somewhere. I'm sure we won't tell you where they are. But yeah, I'm sure you, like you've probably seen them already. Uh, leaks aren't good for anybody, really, especially not when it's like I don't know, like a bunch of commons. It's not like they're not even cards that are going to be playable. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It's it's no good. It's not good for anybody. Yeah. Don't do it, and if you're going to share it around, you know, keep it in the DMs. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, you know, make a video and put it up on an incredibly popular website talking about all the new cards that have been spoiled instead of... It have been leaked instead of spoiled. Not that that's about anyone in particular. It's bad for... It's bad for WotC. It's bad for the game in general. It's bad for the community. It's bad for content creators because they get to spoil the cards and now they don't get to because people have already seen the cards they're potentially spoiling. Yeah, definitely. Like, there, there were some, some cool or exciting cards and or mechanics that were leaked that I'm sure... I'm sure somebody would have made some really cool articles or, or videos or, or or just something something really cool for to show off. But I guess we're not going to get that now, so it's a it's a real shame. Yeah, because some asshole wanted. I don't even know because they made up some kind of ridiculous story about how they got the cards anyway. I don't even know what they wanted. It felt just like the act of an agent of chaos just to be a dick. I don't really understand. Yeah, I don't know, but it's not great. It's really not. You're right. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that before we go out there because you know it's a thing that happened and it's a thing we have a take on. So. That is fair enough. But I do think that is pretty much all we have time for this week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with your thoughts on this this whole amazing year of Commander products that's coming up, uh, or Pioneer, are you still playing Pioneer? Are you still as excited as you were a week or two weeks ago? Come hit us up on Twitter. We are at hfdcast or facebook.com slash hfdcast or patreon.com slash devastation if you've enjoyed anything you've heard on the show and would like to give back. The tiers start from as little as $1 per month. That's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode. Or you can just support the show for free by just just giving us a like on SoundCloud or or iTunes or Spotify or you know, telling your friends. I think that's probably the most important thing you could do. Yeah, we need to work on a pitch for this section of it, like we've got a pitch for talking about Patreon. Yeah. But you can find the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes or Spotify or YouTube when I eventually upload them. <laughs> um, and yeah, if you want to give us a review or a comment or a like or, any, or a subscription on any of those things, that would be excellent. 
and please just tell people about the podcast because we want to get to as many people as possible and that's the best way to do it and you know there's a lot of people to give money to via patreon or you know subs on twitch or anything like that so if you aren't able to do that just just tell some people about it we'd appreciate it yeah absolutely if you want to get in touch with me on my own personal social media on twitter i'm at peach garden oath that's oath with an f or Facebook and Joe Loudon. You can find me in pretty much any of the magic groups. I'll be there. You can also catch me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash peachgardenoaf. I stream fairly regularly, uh, usually on Tuesday nights around 8pm and some weekends as well. Um, best way to find out when I'm going live is, is just to follow me on Twitter or follow me on Twitch. It'd be most appreciated. Yeah, if you want to see some tweets about why you should vote Labour or why you're a bastard if you let off fireworks, you can follow me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. Thank you. Awesome. We <laughs> have time for this week. Uh, once again, the Godvara has returned, so we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation. Mm-hmm.